Welcome to the Triathlete Hour. We've got one last championship race in this condensed tri-championship season. The 70.3 Worlds this weekend in St. George, Utah. And so today, Laura Sedal joins me first for a quick world preview full of our predictions and why the women's race is the way more competitive and exciting one this time around. And then after that, I chat with British up-and-comer Kat Matthews, who could surprise everyone this weekend in St. George. Kat is a British Army captain and picked up triathlon back in 2015 with some colleagues and friends, just for fun. Realized, as she says, she was quite good at this and slowly got more and more serious. In 2019, when she crossed the line second out of all the women at a big European 70.3, while still an age grouper who trained part-time after work, she realized she could actually be really good at this. Kat moved up to the pro ranks and had a sub nine hour Ironman on debut, set the Ironman Florida course record last year, and then ran a 249 for second at Ironman Tulsa back in May. She tells us how gradually progressing her load has been her secret sauce, how there's really no secrets, and how it's all just a series of choices. Plus, we have an interesting discussion about how many athletes and commentators have remarked to her on her ability to run fast despite in their words, not being skinny. What does that say about some of the weird ideas we all seem to have about body image? Keep your eye out for Kat, and hopefully you enjoy this interview as much as I did. All of that after this break. Power your next adventure with Outside Plus. Our Outside Plus membership gives you access not just to exclusive triathlete content, but to content across all our network brands like Backpacker, Velo News, Outside Magazine, and Trail Runner. With an annual membership, you get two magazine subscriptions, two Velo Press books, a library of resources like yoga journal meditation classes and clean eating meal plans, gear and event discounts, access to Gaia GPS dozens of training plans through today's plan software and a free finisher picks package each year all for just $99. This is the world's best resource for training, nutrition, know-how and how to join at triathlete.com backslash outside plus that's outside P L U S one word.com. All right, Sid is back to help us do a 70.3 Worlds preview, Sid. All right, I know there were other races. Long course IT Worlds happened this weekend uh, in Almere, which is always sort of weird that there's like also a long course Worlds, the same like the weekend before 70.3 Worlds. It was European long course championships in Roth last weekend. And it's this, it's, I was talking to someone about it today and it's kind of like, it's the sport that's as confusing as boxing with world titles and stuff like that but yes obviously obviously we should all like agree on like one world championships and like obviously the issue is that a private company owns the world championships and they are not the same as the like governing body and so we have competing world it is what it is but (laughs) but so we have 70.3 worlds in st george this saturday (laughs) which is going to be a heavily american world (laughs) world series here it is still though at least especially on the women's side pretty competitive like the pro start lists have been very like people are dropping out like flies especially on the men's side but the women's side i feel like it's still like a lot of big names it's a lot of a lot of people yeah well clearly i'm only interested in the women's side of clearly anyway no um no i have the men's will be exciting i think it'll be more of a norwegian battle but the women's i think 
has that potential to be a really exciting race still. Um, like you've got, like we haven't seen Daniela Reef and Lucy Charles Barkley go head to head. Yes, they raced at the Collins Cup, but that was on the same team. We haven't really seen them go head to head since, I guess, Kona, really. Right. Um, and then, but then and, and we believe, and like for sure, Lucy is already there. She's like yes. in a house. Yes. We believe Daniela, like that's what I've been told by her manager, is she's doing it. I be- like, we believe she's going to be there. That could change, certainly, if she's like too tired from Ironman yep. Switzerland, yep. but she's supposed that's to right. be there. Yes. Yeah. And then you've got kind of like Emma Pallance in really good form at the moment, chucking, um, Jeannie Metzler, who had a great race at the 70.3 North American Champs on the same course. Um, Ellie Salthouse. But then I think the excitement that everyone is waiting for and it's is if Taylor Nib is going to turn up and race and what kind right. of fireworks that puts into the mix with Daniela and Lucy. Oh, and you should say Holly Lawrence as well. I was going to say, well. you forgot yeah, Paula Finley and, and Holly Lawrence. <laughs> and I think, I actually think uh, Kat Matthews is a bit of a dark horse. I think she could be in there um, and Tamara Dewitt. So yes, there's, there's kind of like, there's a few big names. We're excited to see if Taylor Nib jumps into that. And then the depth of the women's race is a lot more that they could be those performances on the day that just like for get sure. people on the podium. Yeah. Um, and I believe my understanding right now, and I'm not going to speak for her, but is that Taylor is leaning toward like, is she was still, she was still waiting to see how she felt, right? Like she's had a crazy, yeah. <laughs> a crazy like last month and a half. And certainly she kind of also became this like, I don't want to say media, but like people yeah. got very, very interested in her. And she went from kind of this like unknown to like lots and lots of demands in her time. And so I think she's just trying to balance all that and see if it if it makes sense. Um, and just given that she could drive there, like I don't <laughs> and that she's on the start, like I don't think she had to decide till whenever this airs Wednesday whether or not she's yeah, gonna I, race. Like she's put, yeah, she probably won't even decide till this week. It could be last right. minute. She might even still, you know, we might even not get to know until you get to St George and if she's around town or anything like that, <laughs> or if she's still in Boulder, I don't know. Um, you know, it would be great to see her on the list just from her form of the past six weeks. But obviously, yes, being super crazy for her, I can imagine she's been overwhelmed and probably like just um, plunged into the spotlight mm-hmm. that in the long course racing world that she probably hadn't experienced before. It is. Um, and if she does race, like then obviously we're used to Lucy coming out of the water first. Right. But I think we can all expect that Taylor will try and like sit there on her feet. And if if she does race and that happens, it will be because the other super swimmers are missing. Like we don't have Lauren yeah. Brandon. We don't have Haley Chura. So we're kind of missing those people that usually can like stick with Lucy. Obviously, yeah. when we're using super swimmer here. What's the word? Loosely, because obviously like uh, Paula, Holly. Uh, Ellie, Daniel are all very, 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 very good swimmers. Yes. But they're typically like 30 seconds back, 40 seconds back from Lucy, something like that. So it'll be interesting. That'll kind of change the dynamics if someone actually comes out of the water with her or like close to her. Yeah, because I think Lucy's so used to coming out on her own and then riding on her own. And I mean, normally holding on as well, but probably getting chased down a little bit. Um, And this is what Mm -hmm. we haven't seen Lucy Charles Barkley over there, 70.3 for a while. So um, that's what's going to be interesting. If Lucy and Taylor come out, the next question will be, can Lucy hang on to Taylor on the bike? Um, Or will Lucy have a slight gap and then Taylor probably bridge up 
and then can she hang on? I mean, we all know Lucy's like a pretty tough nut of a racer and pretty stubborn and determined. So I can imagine she would, I'd imagine she'd probably want to go with Taylor if they were mm -hmm. together on the bike and then just let it come down to the run and try and get between them as much of a gap over the rest of the women. So they're secured in those top two positions. And then, I mean, the run, like we've mentioned a few times, it's two laps, it's super hilly as opposed, I mean, it's always hilly, but yeah, it's yeah. two laps now as opposed to what we've seen before at St. George. And so you're really, I think, going to see then those like super runners coming up. Like that's where Emma Pallant Brown, I mean, that's where she kind of ran up through the field at uh, the race back, yeah. St. George back in May. That's where Jeannie Metzler kind of ran her way up. Um, Jackie Herring obviously ran yeah. crazy fast at the Collins Cup. So I think that's what we'll see. And then Tamara Jewett ran like a 114 or something, something like yes. that. 113, 114 yep. off the bike yep. at Timberman. <laughs> yes. So I think those, all of them are not necessarily going to be at that front of the bike, but then you're going to see them like coming through running up. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is a, it is interesting. I've talked to a few people about this. What, like the women's field has stayed much more competitive and much more intact. Whereas over the last week and a half, we've had a lot of the top men drop out or just like, they weren't actually planning on starting. They were just on the list. And I can't quite figure out why, but I think it has something to do. Like there are definitely more 70.3 specialists among the women, like people who like yeah. really specialize in the 70.3 distance. And then there's something to the fact that like, it isn't as worth it, especially in COVID times right now for the Europeans to come over to the U S so a lot of the men just like, like was like they're just going to lose money. So it wasn't worth the trip. Um, it just didn't make sense for them. But I think on the conversely, and I don't know why, a lot of the women have gone mm -hmm. over the European. Or women they were and, over already. Or they were, yeah. or, or they were over already. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. Like for once, I feel like the women, and this is the this is going to sound wrong. Like have stepped up to the mark and have put themselves <laughs> forward in the race. Whereas, well, no, no normally we get criticised for like not racing or backing out and the field's always less less in volume not in in um quality um so it's actually nice to see it's good to see there's a really strong women's field and everyone's committed to the race and like you said i think possibly because there's just more 70.3 specialists uh at the moment yeah there are i mean you look at that list and like the only one who's really really known Obviously, like Lucy and Daniela are very, very good at long course. And short very good. sprints yeah. and everything. Lucy, yeah. Charles Barkley, just stop being so good. <laughs> but like on the men's side, um, you know, like the big long distance names just aren't racing. Like Jan's yeah. not racing. Sebi's not racing. Lang's not racing. Um, Lionel just said he is dropping out to focus on Ch uh, California, I believe. Yeah. Ironman California. I think uh, on the on the men's side, maybe like you know, a lot of them have actually raced. So a lot of the long, a lot of the big names, like you said, is perhaps European based, and they've raced recently in mm -hmm. full distance events. Um, you know, yeah, Langer was in Collins Cup, and then he did he won he won Roth, and um, obviously Jan was Collins Cup, and then we think he's preparing. He's going to do California. Yeah, he's is of, my understanding. Yeah, I think he's using this as if it was a Kona build-up to like do the same prep and training and, and build on and that. And then obviously Lionel's had a fair few races over the, okay, he's not European, um, but he's had a fair few races in Europe over the last few few weeks. And if they've all got a different, yeah, maybe they're, they're targeting the long distance races at the year with a view to 2022, perhaps, whereas the oh, women no. They're all are... going to race California, say. Yeah. 
well, Ironman California. I mean. That's what I mean. They're doing, they're doing that, but they're targeting that long race at the end of this year with a view to then in that's put them in a good place for 2022, whereas the women are kind of just going full steam ahead for the half distance. I also think, um, yeah, I mean, Ironman California is shaping up to be it's like be the, the unofficial it? world championships for the men because it's a side, men's yeah. only pro race yeah. and the women's pro race is in Florida. But yeah. I also think it's going to be uh, Jan versus Lionel match this 13 is, or whatever version well, like number we're on but throw in Blumenfeld into the mix perhaps he might be doing it too yeah and yeah. um there's a couple other people but yeah. that does mean who's left on the men's list for 70.3 worlds this weekend is Christian Blumenfeld Gustav Eden to me they're the two like it's a Nor- it's a Norwegian race obviously you still have uh Sam Appleton you still have Ben Canute Sam Long is still in there and he obviously took second at 70.3 or the 70.3 race back in May um the swim, though, at this level, like at Worlds, is just going to be another next another level. Like, up. like Gustav, Christian, Ben, like they can just swim and, so much faster. Than... And also, Sanders hasn't got the other big bikers. Uh, sorry, not Sanders. Sam Long doesn't Sam have the Long other big hasn't bikers. Got with, the other big yeah. bikers with him to pull to to work together to pull him through. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a battle of the Norwegians, Eden versus Blumenfeld. But then. Um, may, hopefully these Europeans have gone over like the Daniel Beckergaard, the Magnus Dietliff, Mag Dietliff came third, I think mm-hmm. it wasn't in St. George, George Goodwin um, as well. We I know Goodwin race. is there right now. Yeah. So he's yeah. definitely racing and you should, and he is going to be one of those ones that comes up on the run later yes. for sure. Yeah. Um, although, like we said, Apo, Apo, I think had a really great race uh, versus Jan in at the Collins cup. Mm-hmm. Um and then the other one I think maybe worth what keeping an eye out is Frederick Funk, who's again another mm. European, um, has some had some pretty solid races, like riding away from some of the big bikers in Europe. So he could be kind of I like mean, that. Kyle dark Smith horse. obviously also did well at yeah. Collins Cup and is coming. I mean, I think he was having trouble getting a visa over, and I hope he got that sorted out. I <laughs> like, heard he was having trouble as well. He was asking for asking me for accommodation <laughs> while I was in Roth a couple of weeks ago here in Girona. Um, yeah, actually, I'd forgotten about Carl, and I think he could be a real spanner in the works because mm-hmm. he's he is a fast swimmer and he goes until he blows kind of thing. He will push the pace on the bike. Um, and that could be actually a really interesting. Like he had a bit of un. He was a bit unfortunate at the Collins Cup. I think he ended up riding with like one aero bar because he had yeah, a crash he broke in the other stage and the other one broke off, which is pretty impressive to be fair. But he's he's actually he's a exciting prospect to add in the mix because he's like no fear racer. He won't. Mm-hmm. He'll kind of like he doesn't care who's on the start line. He'll just swim as hard as he can and he'll bike off the front kind of thing and he'll just like run until he self-combust kind of thing but um yeah hopefully he's out there in the mix as well yeah the other short course guys um alistair uh brownlee was on the list but certainly i mean we both thought he wasn't going to start and then he pulled out of the list um yeah. he's like off on a gravel adventure right he, now so yeah, i don't know he just yeah. raised, he just finished badlands which is here in spain it's like 700k um ultra endurance obviously gravel race and i think yeah. he came something ridiculous like seventh male <laughs> Uh, which is really retarded, <laughs> like we're just ridiculously good, and at just just typically Brownlee, like off. I don't know if he'd been doing any specific training. He's just had his ankle surgery right. or whatever. Um, apparently, he did say, yeah, the whole riding through the night definitely wasn't for him. Wasn't his probably, thing. Yeah, um, so yeah, but, but he won't be starting then. Seventy point three worlds, no. and Javi was on the list, but won't be starting. So I mean, yeah. So you don't, you were not getting as many. Um, of the short course guys coming over though. So yeah, so it will be interesting because those front swimmers, the, uh, 
Blumenfeld, Eden, I would expect Ben Canute to be in there. Like, they're just going to be out of the water. Yeah. Gone. gone. And we'll just kind of, yeah, we'll see if the, some of the Uber bikers later, like if Sam Long can catch up. Um, and then, yeah. yeah. And then you'll have like the fast runners, the the good wins. And you yeah. said Matt Hansen's not racing now, but I was hoping he would kind of run his way up too. Yeah, I think I saw a post on socials this earlier last mm-hmm. this week, last week that said he wasn't racing anymore, which is a bit unfortunate. But yeah. So hopefully, yeah, but hopefully there'll be some other people that will run up. And I, I mean, I, I think it's going to be the Norwegians. I think it's going to be the Norwegians. I'm actually really just hoping it's, uh, I, I actually think it'll be Eden. Like, I actually think he's going to, I think it's his kind of course. I think he'll win it. But I was hoping it'll be Blumenfeld because that'd be really nice for our, like, cover and our magazine <laughs> and everything. So, <laughs> and, you know, he's just going, he is going for, like, he, his chance, he, you know, he wanted to get the Olympic gold and then the, Kona title in the same year and obviously you won't be able to get the Kona one but maybe he'll be driven enough like he got the World Series title as well mm-hmm. um and so maybe that's uh he'll be driven a little bit more to get that 70.3 title and that'll yeah see so if he wins that then we can put him on our best of 2021 cover because yeah. he's obviously then the, the best of the, the year best. right that's it. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing obviously is that um you know, there's been a lot of changes to to the racing with COVID and they condensed it from two days down to one day. And partially that was because I think the field is going to be half the size. Um, but a lot of it was also because the town asked them to move it to one day because the town is like police overrun. Uh, they couldn't get volunteers. Hospitals are overrun. And the town just was like, we can't <laughs> we can't sustain two days. So I heard from a lot of women who then were supposed to race on Friday. Now they have to race on Saturday. And they, you know, many of them had to change their travel and their accommodations at last minute. Yeah. It is not cheap in St. George now. <laughs> like I had to add a day to a hotel and I was like, whoa, like this is, it's expensive. And then some of them obviously like couldn't change either. So they, so I, you know, a lot of them were like, that was kind of this wave of like, there was a lot of like people upset about that when this happened a month ago. And then this week, they put out the wave start times and it's all the age group men and then all the age group women. So now like I've heard from a bunch more women who are like, well, man, we just keep like, we got moved and now we're last. And it's it's like how many waves there are. The last women are starting at 10 AM. Like that's oh, how much later it is. Yeah. yeah. It's like you got moved and then you've just been added on as an afterthought. Cause that's the easiest. Cause the men's race was already planned for that day. So we're right, just like, kind of already all, figured it out. we'll shove yeah. you all at the end and that'll be okay. That will get away with it. Yeah. Kind of sucks. I yeah. get like, so I understand Iron Man's like, well, we'll you know, we want to safety. Safety is what they said. Like we need to, we want the slower athletes later, which is sort of like a, and then secondly, I get that you want to have all the women together as opposed to, or I get there yeah. is an argument for having yeah, all the yeah. women together as opposed to mixing them in. But I certainly feel like there used to be, race it like i it yeah. used to be pretty standard to have them kind of like like sp- yeah and in a way where it was like you would have big age groups more spaced out from each other you would have like a slow age group after a fast age group so that there was like space so that a fast age group wasn't like coming up through you know so it was yeah. very common to have like the fastest women's age group right after the pros because they're probably yeah. not going to catch them but it still gives them and then have like a slow smaller men's age right like there was like a logic to it and, and it was that- kind of like mixed up and doing it that way as well also helped protect, is that the right word? Um, help protect the female pros from their race right. being impacted by the fast age group male if there was a bit more of a buffer between of either a couple of women's waves and a mm-hmm. slower, older a male, male wave. So that's the other thing as well, isn't it? Of like it, other, 
are the pro women once again going to get a fair race? And they then... get 15 minutes, and I believe it's two. I think it's the men's 40 is the first one, something like that. Oh, yeah, that really so. fast wave. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, it's not, I mean, they're not like the fastest, but you know. No, but he still gets it. But, you know, 15 minutes is pretty, pretty it's good. Pretty, pretty good time. Yeah. But yeah, I do feel for the. For the age group women, um, one, the travel and having to change all that is not probably ideal. And then, yeah, just getting that feel that they've been kind of shoved at the back again. But Mm -hmm. there'll always be a reason that will justify it. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I get like I get the arguments on both sides, but yeah, uh, one of my friends who is the last age group wave now, starting at nine fifty eight or whatever, was then posting uh, upsides. Like on the plus side, you can sit around longer in the morning. You will look (laughs) unless they do that whole thing. Right, right, right. You still have to get out of transition by like six a.m. and then the poor women are like, just like, right, what do we do now? Yeah, but it was pretty funny. You got to think of the positives. Yeah, Yeah, you're like... You get a lion in the morning. You get a lion. You have a lot of people. You get to pass. It'll be motivating. Uh, You will look uh, better in your photo. The lighting will be better for your photos later in the day. That's a good one. I like that one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Susie, you just got to like... What's the whole... uh, What do I coach you say? These are opportunities. Yeah. And like when you finish, you just go straight to the pub for dinner. Like and have a beer rather than like... If you're early in the day, it's that awkward like... Is it breakfast? Is it lunch? Or can I have a drink yet? Or am I still on coffee? Whereas if you're starting that bit later, it's just like, well, it's beer o'clock. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. You finish at three, you're good. Good. <laughs> so you have to think of the positives, right? This is correct. Mm-hmm. It will be an interesting race. So, I mean, I'm I'm excited for it. I love 70.3 Worlds. I think it's like actually, in a lot of ways, I like it like more than Kona. Um, I think it's really fun. But it is going to be a weird one because of just all of the all the COVID yeah. stuff. So I mean, I think we're both like we just love the races and the fact that there's races back and it's quite exciting. It's seventy point three worlds. I'm very jealous you're going to be there in person and it's kind of like that. It's a bit like going to back to Roth, like you catch up with loads of people we haven't seen for so long because of COVID. And I think that will be that excitement that it's a world champs. It's seventy point three. Like you said, I think it's a little bit more. Obviously, the racing is still serious and there's a world title on the line but i think it's a little bit more fun and friendly atmosphere than you get at kona <laughs> kona is very serious very so, serious very serious, very serious. <laughs> <laughs> all right but we are still taking 73 worlds very seriously uh and we will i will see you all there and uh and we'll talk after sid about how it went we will do thanks kelly All right, this week we're talking to Kat Matthews, who is a captain in the British Army, along with being one of the fastest British Ironman athletes. I don't know. I need you to tell us a little bit more from an American perspective. Being a captain in the British Army sounds very intimidating. What does that entail? (laughs) It shouldn't be intimidating. Uh, So I joined the Army as a physiotherapist officer. Um, So with that, we come sort of part role physio, part role officer. So you do a little bit of the officer side of life. It's not the stereotypical, you know, officer. Your day job is to lead soldiers. It's your day job is a physiotherapist. But to do so, you need the rank in place. So you have the officer training through our British Academy, which is the Royal Academy of Sandhurst. Um, And similar to, you know, West Point and things like that. So it's... You get you get the officer side as well, but primarily it's 
a physiotherapist or a physical therapist, as you guys love to call it. Um, so, yeah, that was my uh, university. And then I wanted to go straight into the army as a physio because I saw that that was, that was where I thought I could have the most impact on like the fittest people doing the coolest stuff. So. Oh, okay. So you wanted to come at it more from a like, I get to do, I mean, obviously here, like most of our medical studies are done in the army as well, kind of. So you wanted to come at it from that angle. Yeah. And I just saw the opportunities in the military as well as like doing the physio job for the people who I thought were the coolest. (laughs) I also saw like, oh yeah. And you also, you know, sometimes get to do cool trips. So like I went skiing a few times and like trekking in Nepal. And so some really cool stuff personally, as well as being able to do physio for people who were doing those things rather than just like, it's a little bit unfair maybe, but just the average person coming through with a sore knee or a sore back. So got it all right so you were looking for more excitement it sounds like yeah i guess so <laughs> and so you started started doing triathlon then just as a hobby while you were working as a physiotherapist working in the army but you now i know because i kind of remember you starting out and i had some friends who were in 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 the uk you turned out to be really good like were you surprised by how good you were at first because you ended up like fifth overall age grouper at like world you won some races out outright right like something like uh, that yeah, something, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the standard distance age group ones. Yeah, um, yeah. So I started when I joined the army because there's a swimming pool where I work. So mm. I had swum as a kid and I had done running as a kid, but I never really ridden a road bike properly. I, like I had one at uni to get to the shops and get back from the clubs. But um, the <laughs> it was the opportunity that I had with the army that sometimes if you had enough space in your sort of clinical work, like with physio, you could say like, look, I'm doing all my work. Can I go away on a Wednesday afternoon and do hockey or basketball or (laughs) triathlon? So I thought, you know, there were some people from my work going, you know, a couple of hours down the road to race this triathlon on a Wednesday afternoon. And I just jumped in on it and I was all right straight away because I could swim and Mm. I was quite fit generally. Um, So then I was like, Oh, well, if I'm this good, just for doing literally nothing and eating and drinking a lot, then maybe if I did a little bit of training, I'd be even better. And it was just a a very, I guess it was a bit of a a steep spiral uphill. Um, Then I slowly dropped off the social life and slowly (laughs) up the training. And yeah, it was, it was really good fun, like throughout. I think I, I didn't commit to being sort of obsessive about it too early. Um, Like I just slowly, slowly did a little bit more, took it a little bit more seriously, did a little bit more reading, you know, listened to advice and learned a lot and then just raced a little bit more. So I think that was something that I definitely look back on and I'm glad I didn't just go all in. Like hmm. I, I makes me a better athlete now, I think, that I've sort of slowly progressed into a slightly obsessive triathlete, I guess. <laughs> but by slowly, I mean, it was still like, ooh, two or three years before you, I mean... You went pro at like the beginning of 2019, I want to say, right? 20, end of yeah, 2018. So yeah. Did my first like proper triathlon 2015 in that summer. And then 2016 was still just like taking it. You know, I think I did an age group qualifier. Mm. And then 2017, I did European and world's age group standard distance. And then I was going to try and just stay with standard distance in 2019, having done a lot of training over the winter mm-hmm. alongside a full-time job in a hospital. Um, but I went to Canada with the army for four months. And so missed the race I was training for. I think I overdid it, got injured, 
completely like threw all my toys out of the pram and I was like, oh, well, there's a middle distance race just down the road. So I'll enter 70.3 Calgary. And that was what made me do my first middle distance. So, yeah, that was 2018. Okay. Um, sorry, 2018 middle distance. And then, yeah, 2019 pro. Threw all my toys out the pram is a very British saying. <laughs> <laughs> like questioned why I was even doing the sport you know that sort of like triathlon tantrum (laughs) somebody told me you know maybe you're not quite built for endurance sport you know is it really something you should be doing you know I had like multi you know when you have one injury and then suddenly you pick up another and then another and you're like and there's no way you're going to get over the first one let alone the third one so I think it was just one of those little spirals of niggles and overload I I mean, we've never met before ever, but I had, I think I had a friend, I think Carolyn Livesey. I think that's right. Yeah. I remember her telling me, oh, there was this girl who was like racing age group and like beat all the pros. And I, <laughs> and she told me like, oh, I had to convince her she should go pro. And I just remember be, her being, being like, you had to convince her. <laughs> like, so what was it that was, was like, why were you like needing convincing? Um, no, I think maybe that's, um, no, that's not quite how I remember. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but um, nothing, to, nothing against uh, that conversation. Basically, uh, twenty nineteen raced Challenge Grand Canaria, and Caroline was also racing. So we started um, the age group field started eight minutes behind the pro women, mm-hmm. um, and I crossed the line second behind Emma Pallant. Um, so that was suddenly like, oh, well, oh, that was yeah. better than expected. Um, not really in terms of performance, just in terms of outcome, if that makes sense. Right. There's nothing crazy about the race that I hadn't been doing in training. It was just a solid performance that got me close enough to somebody as prestigious as Emma Pallant that I was like, oh, okay, this was quite good. But I'd already qualified for the age group world champs in Nice that year. And I'd already booked my accommodation and I was like dead set on going. And if I took my pro license and raced professionally before it, you then forfeit that. And I thought there's absolutely no way I'll go pro and then suddenly qualify for the pro 70.3 world champs in Nice, you know, that category. So I was like, oh, but I'll lose loads of money by not going to Nice. (laughs) And so there was this element of like, well, do I just stay as an age group while I'm working full time? Because at this point, I didn't quite know that I was going to be able to reduce my workload with the physio in the army. Um, and then it all sort of chat, 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 chat to a lot of people. Um, <laughs> and at the same time, it then became clear that I would be able to drop my workload completely separate to this event. Mm. It was irrelevant of this result. The, the decision had already been made. I just didn't know a few weeks before, which is, I guess, maybe luck, maybe planning or who knows. Um, and then my first pro race was five weeks later. I raced Stafford and qualified for Nice. So in, obviously in hindsight, it was it was the right decision. Um, so kept my it money. It worked it. out. Yeah. <laughs> Got the nice apartment in Nice. It's all good. Uh, yeah, no, I could see that. I uh, could see me like, well, I think I did the exact same thing. But yeah, like, no, I'm already booked. I already have all this. But it worked out. And then it turned out, obviously, um, I mean, you've done well in the pro field, right? I mean, the first year you had, I think, a couple of podiums. You did your Ironman debut sub nine hours. Uh so you were kind of like building momentum that 2019 and then we hit. Yeah. Yeah. And then we hit everything. So how, what do you, I feel like it's in some ways been hardest for the new people who were building momentum and like really ready to have this breakout year. And then we had COVID. 
how did you deal with that yeah maybe maybe it's harder maybe it's not like (laughs) you could say it was easier because actually for me I know I hadn't had this massive training you know um uh life sort of years and years of endurance training and so I genuinely once I sort of got my head around the idea that we weren't going to be racing for weeks or months or ever again you know catastrophic (laughs) thinking that I had all of this time supported through the army as well and the BMC team that I could just get better and just do like loads of base training that I'd never had Mm. the opportunity to do before and so I think it might look like I even progressed quicker than I did because we didn't have those races in 2020 whereas I think otherwise it would have looked like oh yeah step 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 whereas this is like oh yeah boom wins an Ironman sort of thing so I actually took it as a massive positive being so new to the sport and knowing that I still got, I don't know, 10 years ahead of me that it wasn't like my last chance to right. race. Whereas I know some people it's been harder for because it's like they're, you know, holding on to the end of their career. Sure. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So 2019 was pretty good. Um, I was sort of working maybe one day a week until COVID um took over and it became too much of a clinical risk and unnecessary uh and then yeah just settled into sort of full-time training and I guess it might look like luck but I had quite a few races cancelled on me I bet I was I threw myself into a lot of races and emotionally as well as sort of physically and it just every time I rolled the dice you didn't know what you're going to get and so I I did come out with a 70.3 win at Tallinn and a PTO race in England, the Outlaw, and then got to Ironman Florida for the win as well because I entered Austria and then Portugal and then I was like, just like I said, rolling the dice and got Florida. So, um, and even those races were all down to some admin on my side and some really supportive, you know, friends and network through the triathlon community. So I think, yeah. It was a good year um, in hindsight for me, sort of prof- uh, professionally and physically, just obviously hard for everyone emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. Because like to to the outside, it's kind of like, oh, you know, you did you had this like debut in 2019 where you went some nine hours at your first Ironman. And then we are like, we don't see you for months and months. And then you like pop up and set a course record at Ironman Florida. And so it just seems like, oh, wow, like cool but but you really were like there were all these races along the way that you weren't able to do yeah and obviously when you do your first Ironman and I'm not saying I had anything more to give on my first Ironman in terms of like effort but you are you are well I am I was really conservative like you just don't know how long that day is going to be so like the bike felt like forever but I was actually really quite comfortable looking back at the data and then again for the run like really I had some tummy issues, which slowed me down again. But like physically, you're like, oh, yeah, cool. Now, having done an Ironman where <laughs> you cross the line and you are spent, <laughs> <laughs> I can see that, you know, that first Ironman, I'd recommend always taking it conservatively. Um, just because, you know, you've worked so hard for the first one. Why not? Why not sort of set a base level and then you can always progress rather than taking any crazy risks? Right, right. So you've done um, three now, right? Or four? I've done four now. Mm. Yeah, so Western Australia in that first that first pre-COVID 2019, which tied in nicely to my honeymoon. Um, <laughs> and then I raced uh, Ironman Florida in 2020 at the end of the, the peak of the COVID era. 
should we say? <laughs> and then I've raced Tulsa this year and right. I'm in UK as well. Right, right. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and I mean, you had like really good performances at all of those. Do you feel like you're getting better as you, every time or do you feel like it's like a little up and down? You know what I mean? Because obviously it's easy to look at in a big picture and be like, oh, well, you're getting progressively better. But in the moment, it can feel like up and down and up and down and up and down. Yeah, I'm definitely... Yeah. Uh, somebody who always looks for progression like I'm like right well if I did 220 watts that time I want to do 225 watts this time you know so it's the the biking element is getting better and better Mm. Uh, the only thing that's not getting better or in the last Ironman was because I had slowly started to come around to the idea that with professional Ironman or long distance racing you can't always be at your absolute best it's not just about you know, being at peak. And I think that's something that I've struggled to get around because it's, you know, as coming into the sport, I've just wanted to be the best, the best, the best. And if I'm not on the start line being the absolute best, then, you know, I shouldn't be there. Whereas now I realise that you you can't do that all year round if you're going to race as a career. So Ironman UK, I definitely was not in, a, you know, a very, like I picked up a niggle just before it actually. I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if I was going to be able to finish the run. So that wasn't my best performance, but it was still, something I could really attack on the bike and um, I think just taking different experiences from races is really important as well rather than just like just the outcome it was fun you know my family were there it was raining it was horrid but it was also fun <laughs> I mean if, if it didn't rain at Ironman UK I feel like it wouldn't really be Ironman UK so yeah that's I mean it was horrendous <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't just a little bit drizzly like I mean even I'm on Tulsa this year was it was meant yeah. to be you know people were doing heat prep for it and then it turned out to be 20 degrees celsius and raining so that was quite nice <laughs> for Brit. so you're training full-time now but you said pretty much since COVID uh are you, I know like it's, you still are a captain per se, and like you're still supported by the army. What does, does that mean that you're still in the army? Does it mean that they're kind of doing one of those, you know, you're racing for the army things? Yeah. So yeah. my job role, instead of being a physio, as in turn up to work every day and treat patients is now elite sport. So I'm sort of hmm. sidelined from the clinical, uh, requirements that I would normally be under and just supported to do full-time training to race in these big world championship events um, and obviously that's something that the army does in um, the, in the British army but also I think more common across it, yeah. Europe yeah. oh you do it as well oh, cool. yeah. so it's really unique and it's a massive privilege um, and it's something that I never even knew was a thing going right. into the army so I'm, I'm still quite sort of morally like I joined the army to be physio and I've somehow sort of found myself here which is incredible Uh, and I get a lot from the sort of the army community you know it's a grassroots really uh, and just bringing people in from grassroots to that like you say age group world champ level Um, and as you mentioned before Caroline Livesey and her husband Mark they were both in the army and they were both uh, Caroline's obviously a professional so there's it's a really cool way of sort of developing talent and that's where the way the British army sees it is you know, if, if we can support you to be better as a person, you're a better team player and therefore better for the army and therefore the country. So it's, <laughs> it's a cool little spiral of just be better. <laughs> just be better. Okay. <laughs> or be the best is the, is the tagline, I think. Oh, is it? That's actually the tagline. Okay. I, yeah, that makes sense. You're also obviously signed to Team BNC, which I, you actually signed really early with, uh, with them, right? Like, how did that, 
Because usually, I mean, at, at least usually the people that sign on BMC are, are like pretty big names. And you were like signed like right out the gate on debut. Um, how'd you pull that off? I don't know. I, I think <laughs> BMC are actually really good at talent spotting. Okay. Um, so I think that's sort of one of the sort of, you know, key attributes as a team, uh, especially Bob DeWolf as a team manager and his brother Ben um, as the sports sort of um, manager side of life. So, yeah, I think it was a, uh, you know, obviously the triathlon network is uh, diverse and mm-hmm. um, it just sort of falls into place, I guess, when you have, you know, a, a new professional. You'll see it through the other guys on the team. They ne- didn't necessarily have a sort of solid foundation before joining the team and the BMC team is incredible for supporting that that journey from whatever level to hopefully podium at the world champs. Right, right. And uh, and I would imagine that both those things, the Army and BNC, kind of also let you, supported you during the whole COVID, right? Like, let you really put in all that big training and, and not have to worry about things. Yeah. And yeah. again, like my husband, Mark, he's in the Army. Um, so our lifestyle is as simple as we want it to be. You know, we're not, we're not looking down the line of kids and dogs and cats or travel you know, it's a pretty basic, we're just happy eating nice food and living at home together. So I think there's an element of, um, for, you know, fortune in that respect. Uh, and then just enjoying the small things in life rather than being an extravagant person. <laughs> Extrava- I feel like extravagance in triathlon, I don't know, it's an interesting, like if, that, if they really go together. I mean, on the pro level, I just can't imagine they really go together. Well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's becoming maybe it's becoming more cool to be more uh, extravagant. I don't know. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, you mentioned your husband though also does triathlon, right? Because I see uh, like on the Instagram and stuff, you uh, you guys train together. Some, but he seems much more like like he trained like six weeks or something for his Ironman and jumped in. And can he can he even keep up with you all the time? He's ridiculous. It's <laughs> it's obviously not that annoying because I love him. <laughs> <laughs> But it sometimes is frustrating, his uh, ability to keep fitness. He's just, he did um, like junior elite triathlon. triathlon. Um, we actually met doing a triathlon training camp, um, which I sort of blush embarrassingly about. Um, and yeah, he, he's better at swimming. His dad used to, was like a pro, you know, uh, not quite pro, but a pro level swimmer. Um and so he's genetically talented in that respect. And then cycling, he's done his whole life and running, you know, he's in the army, he's done Nordic skiing. He's just an incredible endurance athlete who has not the, the um, he doesn't want to be a professional athlete. So he like absolutely loves and excels at his job in the, in the military. Um, and so he's the best training partner because it's never competitive. It's always supportive. Um, and yeah, he's just as good as me and normally better on most days. So actually it's the, it's the perfect uh, sort of balance and because um, he loves it so much as well. It never feels like, you know, I'm being too into triathlon. Like he's he's now um, doing the Pro Try News podcast and doing all okay. the race reports, um, you know, while I'm racing. He's like created, I think more people message me about Mark's commentary than like saying good luck to me in races now. <laughs> so is he running like your whole like media? Is that, is that the deal? <laughs> If he had any photography skills, he would be. <laughs> but we've established that's not one of his uh, genetic talents. 
<laughs> so what does like a, a regular, I mean, do you have a coach right now or are you self-coach? You do. Yeah. Um, so for the first few years of the sport, I was just being coached by the guy who owned the local bike shop, a guy called Damien in uh, Birmingham, Try First Coaching. And since January this year, I started coaching under Bjorn Giesemann, same guy as coaches um, Patrick Langer and Boris Stein. Yeah. Um, so it's a really cool training group, actually. We were out in Lanzarote in March and I was able to sort of gain quite a lot of confidence by being an absolute tag along on some of the cycles. Um, and yeah, we were all out in Tulsa together. So it's going, it's really cool. It's a really, um, it's a really fun training sort of uh, lifestyle. It doesn't feel stressful. It doesn't feel like I'm, thrashing myself day in day out i'm just doing enough you know good adaptive load recover good adaptive load recover and it's not yeah it's cool it's cool it's good well, that's good what does that <laughs> that look like like what were the i mean like you said you or i think you referred to who uh you're training for kona obviously that i don't want to say it got canceled because but it got postponed so you switched. So what kind of has the training looked like for the last few months? Like how how is how are you doing the adaptive load recovery, adaptive load recovery? I think it's been a bit off this last couple of months because of um I raced. I decided after Tulsa in end of May, I decided to race early July in the Ironman UK. It's just like mm-hmm. a basically a fun race just for the sake of doing it because it was in the UK. So I like I said, I picked up a bit of a niggle and actually my running is like not got back to anywhere where it was in April. Um, so I'd say in terms of training, performance-wise, it seems better than ever. I don't understand. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, a normal day, let's say in March, for example, like in a normal training sort of block would be uh, I would wake up whenever I would wake up. It's a privilege of not having to set an alarm. Uh, maybe I should. Uh, and just and get in the pool as quickly as I can. Because if I don't do it in the first thing in the morning, then I am rubbish. I get very low on morale and sort of, sort of squeeze it in before supper time at like 6pm. Um, so yeah, 8am, 8 maybe a swim to half nine, uh, second breakfast before going out on the bike for a couple of hours, maybe two, maybe three, maybe four, depending on the session, obviously often with some intervals, so either threshold or threshold and tempo. Mm-hmm. Uh, haven't done that much big gear or like low cadence work this year, actually, uh, and not very many long intervals either, but nearly every day has uh, intensity every mm-hmm. session. And then if my running's uh, where it should be, um, I'd then sort of have as long as I could before then running, so likely like 5, 6 p.m., go for a nice a nice run is it's my favorite of the three so I like treasure it as a training session so no matter what I always feel like I want to go running which is pretty cool uh, and again just maybe some intensity um in there like either a bit of tempo or oh. or threshold and tempo whereas I think previously I've done a lot more this session is completely aerobic or mm-hmm. this session is a high intensity interval session so it's really quite interesting to see um the difference when you load like the bike and the run in the same day and then again the next day and then have a day off rather than do like a hard bike the next day do a hard run the next day Mm. do a hard bike I think it's it's quite interesting that you can do it in any way really and it it still works and as long as you're giving the body a bit of a you know enough of a stimulus and you're able to recover from those sessions so I know when you have a full-time job it's often really hard to get two quality sessions in and therefore you should you should just get one quality session in and make sure that that session is really good and that you're recovered for the next day 
I was about to say, yeah, which one do you think is better? Does it just depend on the person? But it sounds like it probably just depends on kind of like the schedule and the and you as a person and how well you're able to recover. Yeah. And I think different people go through different phases in their life mm-hmm. as well in terms of like training, uh, you know, stimulus requirements. So you might take on some extra job role at work or something like that. And you need you you should drop your your physical training load because you can't do all of it together. I'm pretty right, big right. in the idea of like total load, including like physical and cognitive. So there's no way that I could have done a full time job as a physio, be like brain at like 95% for seven hours a day or whatever it is. And then also do three hours of training. It just, I think that was too much. And I was actually picking up niggles. And I think that's probably mm. quite common. So that's why I think I've come into the sport on a slightly lower volume as a professional now, because I was doing sort of 10, 11 hours and still performing really well from it because it was good quality sessions that I was, at, I was then able to recover from. Mm. Yeah, it's also funny you say your uh, your running isn't where it's at because uh, performance wise, it's been there, right? Like you put down your two forty nine at Tulsa was what like one of the one of the fastest women's marathon Ironman marathon times. Yeah, I, I don't I don't actually like memorize all the stats, but it was up there. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was yeah. <laughs> before and last week, whatever it was, it was like it had been. It was the fastest for a long time, I think, yeah. um, and maybe. I think officially like a, the the actual distance you know the records it was the third I think fastest woman it wasn't necessarily the time but um that was off a really consistent year of running so that was really cool to just be like oh yeah sweet like and that felt so good like mm. looking back on it it's a bit weird that it felt so good um like my heart rate was at mid zone three for the entire run and then I did a little bit of a sprint finish at the end because it's up a hill and why you know why not do a sprint finish um so yeah that was really quite cool and I finished that race being like sweet that wasn't that bad whereas I should have been absolutely you know on the line it wasn't which is really interesting again like mentally and physically um but since I think I did (laughs) I did like I did a track race it was really stupid it was in hindsight it's like why on earth would I have done that did a track race two weeks before racing an Ironman because I thought it was a bit of fun and like pulled my calf. And so since then I've been sort of basically managing that. And then it was an Achilles injury. (laughs) But I don't like to say injury because I was still able to train. And I think that's quite key. Like as a physio, sort of my background in terms of like what is an injury. And I think athletes like to label things as an injury immediately. Whereas actually if you're able to train and manage your load, your training load, Mm-hmm. then there's no reason why that has to be a problem. You just have to accept that that's going through a phase of healing and that's how long it will take. So I was pretty confident that if I ran the marathon at Bolton, it would set me back probably about three or four weeks. And therefore I sort of reduced any of anxiety about how bad it was going to be because I just accepted that, yeah, okay, but well, by the 1st of August, just you'll be back to where you were before the race. Okay, fine. Then it's going to be eight month, eight eight weeks until Kona, that's fine. It'll take me six weeks to get to here. And then Mm -hmm. I've got two more weeks of like running. So I think reassurance from the outside is useful. Um, but also just knowing yourself as well, because people can prescribe you like run to walks in that situation. But I think if you're too rigid to the prescription, you run on the day when it's a bit sore, when as if you just waited one more day, it'd be Mm. much better. So I think you've got to take some ownership over like in like niggles like that, that could become injuries. And I think, 
lots of people don't and that's where they become a big injury and they can't train for months yeah but lots of people probably also don't have all your background and your like knowledge on this you know no completely and I I sort of have to remind myself that because to me it just that's just me uh and I think that's obviously something that is a you know unique and a sort of skill for me is that I can do that and have Mm -hmm. the I can try and have the confidence. It does. It's hard when you're sort of telling yourself it rather than like a physio just telling you and you have to just trust them. Like if you're constantly trying to kid yourself, it's hard. But um, no, obviously that's something I think that's helped me progress um, as quick as I have. Yeah, uh, I was about to say it must have helped you. I mean, and I'm sure you kind of also talk to your coach then all the time and are giving feedback and it seems like you pay a lot of attention to how you feel. Yeah, I think yeah. so. And also, I think I bounce a lot off Mark as well, my yeah. husband. Um, like, he doesn't doubt my sort of self, um, you know, how I feel in myself, but he's also a really good sounding board. I think I can see why that works well, you know, for f- professional females to have someone involved in the sport next to them. Um, obviously, it's the same for the guys. I think they perhaps are closer to their coaches in that respect. I don't know. Um whether they often have a female count, you know, counterpart or a male counterpart, however it works. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm just yeah, yeah. No, for a lot of the women, yeah, I mean, you see it routinely. Like for a lot of the female pros, um, their significant other is often a good training partner too. So it kind of where it doesn't it doesn't really like yeah. go the other way <laughs> that often. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, I think outside perspective as okay. well as like talking about it and as well as that sort of inner like knowing yourself mm-hmm. is important yeah but I mean you're running still obviously been there and uh and I saw after I don't know I want to say it was Tulsa you said you posted that someone told you you didn't look like a runner which is insane because as we're talking about like you're one of the fastest runners and it seemed to me because obviously this is like this was like a body image issue thing. It seemed to me like a ton of a ton of mostly women, but people responded to that. Um, and I, I'm guessing you got a lot of feedback around around that. <laughs> Did someone yeah. really say that to you though? <sighs> yeah, like I even put it in the stories. I think yeah. like it was like one person said, um, uh, you know, it was like, "What's your weight?" Because you run so fast, and I was like, mm, I, <laughs> "I don't think you're being." negative there and then someone was like how do you run so fast without being skinny like it was just like huh this is obviously a a bit of a thread going on here um no this is something I've been thinking about for years this um this feeling of I guess inadequacy in terms of um a runner's body shape like uh, like you saw in the post I did cross country running as a kid and like it was always something that there is these tight in my eyes and this is could be unfair on them because you know you've always got to see it on both sides like I saw tiny girls in my eyes who were that was what what you should look like you know they were the best runners because that was how they ran and and I was never a tiny girl I was just a normal like I guess a normal sized I say normal, so that's a bit unfair. Ah, I don't know what's politically correct. (laughs) Anyway, I'll get out of my little hole. Basically, I think body image is too much of a factor. um, And we've become very sort of um, media driven in that respect. Uh, So I think it's the same in, in any lifestyle, but in performance sport, I just think 
if it's not necessarily about look it is about performance why are we judging somebody's image is how they run like i still hear it on iron man commentary Ooh, oh yeah they look like they're built to be a runner and i'm like ah oh yeah yeah i mean obviously mean? it's the whole like <laughs> and then you get to the whole whenever someone's like oh well, they look really fit and a lot of times it's because they actually like look like they lost too much weight but we say yeah. like they look really fit and you're like oh that's weird there's a lot yeah. of weird yeah and it's hard because obviously like we know there's a direct relationship between mm-hmm. um body weight and performance in cycling and running like it's sort of a known fact it's just that slippery slope of um when it goes too far um it's very hard to uh sort of find the line and i think be in control of that as well it did seem like that post resonated though because uh it was popping up all over my social media it seemed like it went kind of viral <laughs> It was really interesting also for me to get a lot of feedback from other professionals in the sport, um, uh, female and male, and also those who I saw as having in my eyes, and this is where it becomes a little bit personal, like the ideal body shape, right, and right. they resonated with it as well. So it's, it was a sort of like, huh, if you're thinking this too, wow, like this is a much bigger problem than just like my problem. Right everybody's under this this pressure to look like they're at five percent or whatever it is eight percent body weight and I just it's it's this like idea that we shouldn't necessarily put that pressure on ourselves. and I think that's where I would want to come from is like my point isn't just to be like you know embrace your body it's it's to be like anybody can do the sport it doesn't matter necessarily how you look it's about performance uh, mm-hmm. and then it can the other side of it is actually the health implications we see a lot of people trying too hard to lose weight because they think they have to and then actually are struggling with the mental health as well as physical health from losing too much weight and uh, in an endurance sport where carbohydrates are king <laughs> so <laughs> i don't know i could talk all day about it i think yeah yeah that's yeah. no, interesting yeah it's interesting that you had uh, some pros reach out to you because i've 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 had the similar thoughts of time where somebody Again, it's all perception, but somebody who's seen will be like, oh, well, I'm I'm a big, I'm I'm big. And you're like, no, like you're a, one of the best people in the world. Like, what are you talking about? Like, why is this? It's all in your head. Yeah. And it, yeah. again, I think the more people who talk about it, the more we realize that it is really common. And I think right. I'd never felt like I had a voice, even as a professional athlete for the last two years. It wasn't until I run I ran the 249 at Tulsa that I was like, actually, like I am good enough to have this opinion and voice it. So I'm going to just sit. And I was just tapping away on my phone on the sofa. And then I sent it to my mate and they were like, this is really good. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll post this. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it's been, it's been in the back of my mind for a while. And I, I didn't have a, I didn't feel like I had a platform to say it. And I just wanted to get it off my chest. <laughs> I think you're probably officially like good enough. You can have opinions. Like if that's, yeah. if that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> It would be really cool, I think, to like continue to be at the top end of the sport and have this idea that you don't have you don't have to be at a certain body image to perform well. Um, like, yes, I'll continue to try and get as close to that line as I can because I'm a professional athlete and it's my job to be like to absolutely optimize everything. But I'm I'm not prepared to take the health sacrifice to cross the line, and I'd hope that as an age group athlete um, that your health is the most important thing over performance, but I'm not sure if it is for some people. So I think it's just a bit of perspective. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and obviously you kind of like progressed in the sports. You have a lot of different perspectives. Uh, you also, okay, so you, you just were at the Collins Cup, right? And yes. now you've flown to St. George. So now I also want like your voice and your take on all of that. So how was the Collins Cup from an insider perspective? I haven't really talked to a lot of the athletes who were there yet. I relished every minute. <laughs> <laughs> like it was insanely cool. Maybe some people are saying, yeah, yeah, you know, things to improve. I was there like starstruck from, um, you know, day one. Uh, yeah, the PTO, um, an unintentional and unnecessary plug, like they sorted everything out, um, like admin wise, uh, you know, picked us huh. up from the airport, hotel rooms, massages, bike mechanics, training venue, everything was sorted. Um, some of it could have been improved, obviously. Um, there's some issues with kit and stuff like that. But um, in terms of the experience, it was amazing. Like the team aspect of it worked so well. We were in a group together chatting about the race, you know, with there's Daniela talking about the transition and Anne was saying something else and Lucy would pipe up and then, I don't know, Jan would make a joke and it was like, seriously, is this actually happening? <laughs> like that stuff should have been filmed. Um, so that was cool. And because we weren't directly in competition with each other, it was uh, it was a genuinely a f- like a friendship making environment. Right. So that was, ins- again, something that having talked to a lot of the others there, they haven't had that in the 20 years or sorry, I don't know, 10 years they've been in the sport. So um, it's obviously something that could be really cool for the sort of future in terms of um, just friendships in the sport as well and learning from others. Um, but yeah, the race itself was actually quite challenging as an athlete. It was really quite boring. <laughs> like we had no contact with anybody on the course. Uh, and so it was just you, you out there. Right. Yeah. And it felt like just you because you're just on a highway. So the course itself, like it wasn't my favorite one to race, but it was over quite quickly um, being only a hundred K. Uh, and then obviously the experience of the event made up for it. So it was pretty cool. Um, and yeah, St. George was not on the calendar. Uh, I decided to come out having got a very generous invite to come and house share with some of the British guys out here. So um, jumped at the opportunity, really. Yeah, the Collins Cup, uh, I've heard a lot of people say it was kind of like summer camp. You know, it does seem like the athletes themselves, they had a blast, right? Like they had a super fun time. <laughs> like, yeah. Because um, you don't really get, like you just said, that opportunity that much to just kind of hang out all together. Yeah. And it's sort of, I guess it's in parallel to what you see at the uh, Super League at the moment as well. Like, <laughs> because you're not competing for, uh, qualification or things like that you're in direct competition with someone for it's not necessarily as uh you know rival rivalry as you would get rival I don't know if there's a word for that um yeah <laughs> you know in a normal event so obviously like super league they're not necessarily competing to get uh olympic qualification you know everyone's sort of chatting and it's a lot more friendly even though obviously they're still racing same in the mm-hmm. collins cup like we're still racing no one wants to get beaten um and there's a massive pride element and then the team points like there's still a lot to race for um even though there was a discussion about it was an appearance fee rather than prize money um but at the same time it was super fun so <laughs> It's super fun. I want, so. I want to go. I want to go again, and I'd recommend the challenge championships for people though, because obviously that was on the day after, so you got like the whole hype of both events in one. Yeah, I was surprised how many pros there were in the championship. Uh, yeah. who, like all just came a- out. I mean, they were like, "Well, I'm there." Yeah. yeah, 
we obviously weren't allowed to race it so they took out all of the Collins Cup athletes but I was hoping to race that race anyway irrelevant of the Collins Cup because it's just like seen it's a really cool event so so now obviously St. George is next like you said it kind of you weren't necessarily planning on doing it which I think like we were kind of talking about is sort of the case for a lot of the athletes it's a little bit of a I want to say crapshoot, but it's a little all over the place, like who's actually there and who is on the start list, but isn't really going to be there. And it's a little weird. Yeah. Uh, what are your goals? <laughs> like, what are your, how would you adjust for St. George and what's your, what's your plan? I made a comment to somebody interviewing me at the Collins Cup being like, you know, don't write me off as a middle distance athlete just yet, <laughs> because I've done a couple of Ironmans and they've gone really well. And I was thinking about this having done the Collins Cup and on time, and I know you can't directly compare time ever really, unless you're in the same race. And because we weren't racing each other directly, you could argue it's not really a comparison. But on time, I outbiked and outran the majority of the field. My swim was awful, but let's skip (laughs) over that. So therefore, I was like, huh, maybe I am actually fit enough to be genuinely competitive at this world champ 70.3 distance, which I think I had sort of ruled out because I, I don't, I don't even know why. Cause I was like, I'm a long distance athlete. Whereas there's so many long distance athletes who are both good at 70.3 and long distance. And I think I haven't given myself a chance yet to sort of see what I can do over the distance. So I'm going into it with, I guess probably overconfident, um, <laughs> <laughs> which isn't, isn't, a natural thing for me uh like I'm always underconfident so I think like to top 10 at this would be really cool um and to top five would be like excelling so that's something that I never really thought I could say um like two years ago I rocked up at Nice and came 16th and that blew my mind so to then be like okay I'm gonna come in the top 10 like all of those girls in the top 10 like they're massive names in the sport and there's just me like hello (laughs) (laughs) so yeah yeah the women's the women's start list is still like the men is getting decimated as like people drop out and stuff but the women you still have like all the big all the big people are there like it's still like pretty pretty big yeah i would say so there's like i there's a couple who i would have liked to race and they're not racing because it's not um you know they're not necessarily in the in the physical shape to race so that happens at every world championships and there's always somebody at Kona for example who's not racing because they've had an injury or something like that so I think that's that is professional sport and obviously it's even heightened at the moment because there's been sudden influx of racing and people have sort of maybe just thrown I don't don't know it'd be too generalized for me to say why they're not racing but um yeah there's enough girls there to make that a seriously competitive top 10 (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's still like Daniela, Lucy, Emma, Emma, Holly, Ellie, Paula, yeah. Ella, Paula, yeah, yeah. Jackie Herring's on great form. Yeah, it'll be really good, I think. Yeah, it'll um, be interesting. Um, no, it'll be cool. And then, and so after that, kind of, where's your plan from here? It's obviously Kona. Ideally, is happening in February. I, you know, I, I think we all know that's a little up in the air depending on how Hawaii goes so what are your like short term and then long term it sounds like you have 10 more years in the sport, <laughs> right? hopefully um I this feels like an, an additional race at the end of a season for me now like I think once Kona had had 
come off the calendar in October, I had sort of reset being like, okay, I need a break. Like I've been right. racing since April. So this is like last chance, just chuck everything at it. I'm fit enough. <laughs> I've shown that at the Collins Cup, so why not give it a go? But I, my my mind is definitely like I need a break. Right. So I think I'll take two weeks off or something after the after this World Champs um, and just completely try and chill out as much at the end of season break, even though there is this um, Kona in February on the calendar. So however that turns out, I don't know, but I guess I'm a bit sceptical. I'm not sure if that's the right thing to say. I think I've been uber sort of optimistic in the last year and a half about certain races definitely being on and Mm -hmm. they haven't. And now I'm like, actually, I'm going to take the other view and be like, not sure if it's going to happen. Um, <laughs> just like for your own emotional <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm like you get really good at this uh disappointment don't you like right. everybody's gone through it in the last year and you just have to be like okay well it's happened to me before it's gonna happen again uh so probably I just really hope that Iron Man tell us before Christmas that yeah. it's not on or it is on I just I can't see it, things changing personally um so it's yeah, it's sad. gonna be very like Hawaii dependent exactly. on like how things happen there. Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, I haven't worried about rebooking my condo, so <laughs> but, uh, we'll see. Yeah. we'll wait and see, right? Yeah, and it does feel a bit rubbish at the moment coming from the UK, where into America, when the U- like UK and some European athletes, obviously, they can't get into America to race. So when these World Championships are being held in America and it's not open access, it feels it does feel a bit un still feels a bit unfair at the moment um so i'm hoping that will be the next step before they decide on the world champs is that america as a whole get to the state where they feel like they can say okay well if you you know as us if you are here for a reason and you've got tests and you're good to go um but i understand why the (laughs) rules are in place obviously it's just it's frustrating for my like triathlon friends in the uk really? oh yeah no i uh i don't know how many people are gonna be able to make it into the u.s for sure and i don't um i think some of it's the other countries don't want people coming to us right now <laughs> yeah, it's like a, they're like no no don't do that <laughs> yeah well my experience of the u.s has been amazing like there i've obviously go. been here like multiple times in the last year and it's just there's so much common sense like just <laughs> Just take it on yourself that like you, if you understand, you know, hygiene, then like use appropriate caution. I, I don't know. It just seems to make sense to me. <laughs> All right. I've never heard common sense in Florida in the same sentence. So there you go. <laughs> well, maybe I'm coming from the wrong perspective. <laughs> Have you, um, okay. So, so obviously you're going to take a break. You're going to see how Kona, if Kona happens, how you're going to be, you know, you're going to emotionally prepare yourself come Christmas what are your kind of long-term goals then from here? Like next year, five years, 10 years? Like I obviously, like I obviously want to perform well at Kona. That's my mm-hmm. big goal. And what does well look like? I think before Tulsa this year, it was like, oh yeah, I can top 10 at you know Kona. That would be amazing. And then having raced Tulsa, I'm like, huh, maybe I can do better than that. Um, so I think that race really gave me confidence to say like, no, there's no reason why I can't be on that podium. Um, so whether that happens in my first year, which would be pretty unlikely, but definitely in the next three or four years, like I can see that I can 
I can believe it. And I feel like I'm my biggest you know, <laughs> skeptic. So that's quite a fun place to be. It's just like enjoying the training day in, day out. Like I genuinely love it. And I feel privileged to be able to call it a job and then to rock up at start line. I think like, this is fun. Like I could be working in a normal job or I could be here and like giving it everything. So why not just give it everything today? Um, so yeah, that's my, my sort of headspace is just like embracing every day. Um, I guess it's the gratitude idea, you know, mm-hmm. what are you, what are you grateful for? Um, and, and then just putting it all out there on race day. And it's, it's a choice, isn't it? So I choose to do this. Like, yes, it's really hard some days, um, but it's my choice. So every day it gets hard. I'm like, yeah, well, it's still your choice. You can do it if you want or not. Like, do you want to be good? Then do the session. Um, like, do you want to be on the podium and try harder? Like it's, it's a, I really see it as quite black and white. Um, so yeah, that's my, it's a choice. Like, do I want to be on the podium? Like if I do, then I just need to work, work hard for the next few years. So that's quite fun. No, all right. And so if you're doing the whole, like, uh, what are you grateful for? What are you grateful for then? Um, COVID highlighted that my family and like my, my very close family and friends, like their happiness is my main priority. And I think like if, if I'm not happy or my husband's not happy or my, you know, that's, if that's the priority before anything else. So I think, that's my ultimate gratefulness and they I can make them happy by being happy myself and so I'm grateful for the sport because you know da, 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 the spirals um yeah I'm not, I'm not I don't like write them down or anything like today okay. I'm grateful for my coffee or whatever it is but <laughs> <laughs> I just I think it's just it's more of an overall like overarching mindset of just like being like you know the choice to to sort of have that effect on your own emotions and like you're in control of that rather than anybody else. Like mm-hmm. other things can happen to you, but you choose how you perceive them and how you go about like actioning that. It's very easy to say, right? It's very easy to say. <laughs> <laughs> Today I had a whinge and then I got over it. <laughs> and then I've decided not to whinge again. I'll probably whinge again. <laughs> about oh, something. Man. You're gonna have, what is whinging? I mean, I feel like I can guess. Oh, well, but it's you know, a very like, British word like, again, yeah. Oh, my foot hurts. Like, that's whinging, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's a bit hot today. I don't really fancy swimming. Yeah, we'll just That swim. kind of thing. Yeah, get over, get over it, swim. <laughs> okay. All right. So here's my last question for you. Usually we do like a would you rather, but I just want to know now that we've talked all these distances, which you actually prefer? Would you rather do a super short race, Olympic standard, or Ironman long distance? Long distance, purely because I get so much more satisfaction out of the whole piece of it, like the logistics, hmm. the planning, the fueling the performance like I just love it all and when it all falls into place it's like yay um whereas I feel like the shorter you go the more it is about performance and so you you get like yes I worked really hard and my body was having the best day ever but you didn't have to battle those demons at the six hour point or make sure you took that gel after 20 minutes and then took another one after 40 because you know it's I think yeah for me it's the long distance because it's just more challenging across the board i'm not saying it's necessarily harder than olympic distance i'm just saying for me it's like the bigger puzzle i think i like puzzles okay <laughs> i feel like that's actually the part that like frustrates a lot of people about long distance. Uh, uh, 
They should just do sprint then. <laughs> well, thank you so much for chatting with us and good luck in St. George now that you've like gotten out and been able to ride the course and see Thanks. all the clients and everything. Yeah, brutal. And it's gonna be a it's gonna be a challenge. I think everyone's gonna be on the in the like hurt locker as they say. So Ouch. Yes, definitely. Well, good luck and we will look for you out there. Thanks. It was great to chat to you, Kelly. Thanks to Sid and to Kat for our accidentally all-British show. And good luck to everyone racing at 70.3 Worlds this weekend. Stay safe and have fun.